Hello and welcome to another episode of the Cricket and the King podcast, the podcast where Jesus is the answer to everything and we are constantly expanding on that point. I'm your host Ben and we're back with another chapter of the Bible. We are on James chapter 2. So without further ado, let's get into it. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but you say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Ooh, ooh, what's that, right? You feel that conviction? I do. You know, when somebody has a sweet car or or uh, symbols of wealth, comes in in a super nice suit, it's almost like you feel inclined to call them sir. Not that calling sir is, you know, anything wrong. You can say whatever you want to whoever you want, I suppose, as long as it's in love and in the Holy Spirit. But I know for myself, um, sometimes when I bump into people who are homeless, or um, in a in a lower um, I don't know economic socioeconomic class, there can be some judgment that does pass through my heart, and I almost see them as uh, less valuable. Or I have uh, obviously Christ has changed me of that. And I see all people level at the foot of the cross and learn to do so more and more um, each day. But but that judging people, ooh ooh, it's so bad sometimes. Okay. Now we are on verse 5. Listen, my dear brothers and sisters. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall, co- you shall not commit murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. I really like how it says this in James because, it, like I said, it brings it back to that level at the foot of the cross thing. It doesn't matter if you've lived a perfectly sinless life, um, but you've, you've lied once. If you've lied once, if you've broken one part of the law, you've broken all of the law. There's no getting away from it. You have become a lawbreaker with evil thoughts, like it says. Um, if, if you are judging people based on the sins that they're committing while you yourself are sitting in a sin that you deem as less sinful, then you're actually super deceived because anyone who breaks the law at any point is guilty of breaking the whole law. That's why we're empowered to righteousness as believers. And obviously we repent if we run into our human weakness, blah, blah, blah. But but it's really, really awesome that James says this because I know, for example, um, some people uh, really worry about homosexuality in the church or whatever. And the truth of that is, if a girlfriend and boyfriend are sleeping together, um, that's the same thing as homosexuality. It's sexual immorality. It's sin against the body. And that's that's 
gonna be that's gonna have the same results of alienating you from Christ as would any other form of sexual immorality, including pornography. It's it's just uh, it's just simple math, so to speak, in Bible terms. All right, on to verse twelve. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Oh, thank goodness for this verse after the last one, because God's mercy covers over uh, the judgment that we were deserving of from our sins. Uh, We are justified through Christ, meaning just as if we never did it. And if we're in that place of repentance and our hearts are clean before God, oh boy, howdy, we got nothing to worry about because God covers us and brings us into his righteousness. So it's just fantastic. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So um, that I mean, that doesn't mean we're um, foolish, I guess. Mercy isn't suddenly giving someone all your trust back, but it's it's choosing to look overlook what's been done and not essentially not give justice. To show mercy is to withhold the justice that somebody uh, has earned, the punishment that they've earned. And, and that is what Jesus did for us. And so we, as we live on this earth, should do that for others obviously. Faith and deeds. This is what the next one is called. We're on to verse 14, folks, if you're following along in your Bible. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Ooh, ooh, heavy words. I know uh, taking action in our faith, some people will say that they have faith uh, for the sick to be healed, but then they never go lay hands on the sick. I know I rag on sick healing a lot. It's just because it's something I'm into, but if you have grace for something else, that's fine. Anyway, but, uh, you know, if, if you have somebody who's in need and you happen to have a bunch of extra cash lying around and you don't get them a sleeping bag or whatever they need, a sleeping bag is a bad example, but, but if you don't, um, provide for them, it's actually showing that you're, you're not really grounded in faith and established in love. You're still selfish. You still, um, you still are not in a place where you trust the Word of God enough to do what the Word of God says, in which we are called to love people and to help and protect the poor. And so our faith and our deeds go together. And so in verse 18, uh, it's, it has more to say about this. So, But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made by was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. So that's talking about the leading of the Spirit. Um, When God asks us to do something, we actually demonstrate faith 
by doing the thing. Faith is not a feeling. It's an action that you take. I mean, there's there's a knowing, there's a certainty, there can be a feeling that goes along with very strong faith, but but we're considered uh, full of faith if we are acting in faith on the things that God asks us to do. So if God asks us to give money to someone and it's half of all of we have. So you say you have a thousand dollars in the bank and he tells you to give $500 to somebody and you hear him and you know, it's the voice of God. If you give that $500, that's faith. And that's your faith working together with your actions and manifesting God's glory through that. And obviously God will provide and cover the other 500 or whatever. Um, so then 25, it really solidifies it by going uh, a little further ahead in the Old Testament. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. So this is interesting. This is a really interesting statement that James makes. He says that faith without deeds is dead. So if we're believers and we're not acting on our faith on a regular basis, that means that our faith is dead. We don't we don't have that doesn't mean our relationship with God is severed, but it means we're not acting in faith and we're not pursuing intimacy and relationship with Jesus Christ. We need to be acting out on the things that the Spirit uh, is asking us to do if we want to keep faith alive in our lives. And that's something that's really amazing in our intimacy is as we follow his direction, we get to know him more because he asks us to do things that show his character. Okay, now we're on to three, and I'm going to get convicted again because I talk a lot on this podcast. It's, it's headed, it's taming the tongue, and we're on James chapter three. Oh, wait, I guess that's it. I guess we just did James chapter two, and we'll have to save chapter three for next time. Well, you know what? I feel like we got through it fairly fast, so let's do chapter three as well, and then uh, we'll we'll uh, post it up all as one segment. So here we go again. Here's James chapter three, headed taming the tongue. Not many of you should become teachers. Oh dear, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Oh dear again. A good thing I'm just reading the Bible. I'm not expanding too much. (laughs) We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Wow, isn't that fantastic? If we're able to control our mouths and submit our our speech life to God, he's going to bring about even greater righteousness into our lives. That's what I'm reading through that. So then we're on verse 3. When we put the bits... When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal, or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Ooh, I remember uh, when I was trapped in lying when I was a young man, I would read this and just shrivel back into my seat. Um, so if our if we don't have control of our tongues, if we haven't submitted our speech life to Christ, 
we're actually speaking death and and we're uh we're setting the course of our lives on fire <laughs> which is a pretty extreme thing to say uh i like the analogy that uh the ship analogy right because think of how much one lie can change the course of your whole life and your whole interaction with a group of people so we as as people of god need to be very careful about what we say and the great thing is if we do lie uh, we can turn back in integrity and tell the truth. Um, and I've had times where I've just kind of impulsively lied to avoid a, a dangerous situation. And then I had to go and tell the truth afterwards. But God's gracious and he forgives us and gives grace to that correction and brings about more righteousness in our lives. So it's really awesome. And then we're on to verse 7 here. So, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So we know what we're turning our hearts to by our speech lives. And I've seen this to be true in my own life. Uh, God delivered me from impulsive swearing um, when I got born again again. And I've realized that as I take in a, a worldly mindset, not like, it's hard to say this without sounding like I'm standing in a religious spirit. I just want you to know that's not the heart I'm saying this in. But when I've found myself... More self-involved, focusing less on Christ, spending less intimate, personal time with Him, my speech patterns will slip. And uh, my dad always used to say, "Garbage in, garbage out." You know what you put into your system is going to come out. So, uh, you know, sometimes you watch a super raunchy uh, movie with a lot of swearing or something, and you realize, you know, you stub your toe and an f bomb slips out, and you're like, "Where did that come from?" Well, we have to guard our tongues, and we have to guard our hearts and we need to make sure that we're hooked up not to the salt spring of the world but to the fresh water spring of the holy spirit and the redemption and grace of jesus christ so anyway we're on to uh, 13 which it's headed two kinds of wisdom so verse 13 james chapter 3 for all those who are following along it says who is wise and understanding among you let them show it by their good life by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts do not boast about it or deny the truth such wisdom quote unquote does not come down from heaven but is earthly unspiritual demonic for where you have envy and selfish ambition there you find disorder and every evil practice Wow, what a warning we get from Scripture here. Selfish ambition, that doesn't, um, that doesn't mean uh, having a desire to succeed. It means that you're placing yourself above all other people. Your desire and intent is completely selfish. That's what that's talking about there. And, and we see every evil practice where there's that kind of selfish ambition. And we sometimes in the world, we glorify that where people are like, I'm willing to do anything to succeed, to get to the top. And we go, oh yes, look at how motivated and disciplined they are. But it says that if, we're, if we see that, 
There you can find disorder in every evil practice. Some people are willing to make horrible moral compromises and integrity compromises to reach their goal because they're so self-focused. They don't care about the damage that they leave in their wake. So we have to be really careful of that. But then we come to the wisdom from heaven, which is what we as believers have access to through the Holy Spirit. So here we are at verse 17. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace, reap a harvest of righteousness. Yeah, uh, I, I wish I could memorize that. I've read it so many times and I still, what's the wisdom from heaven? Like, I still can't remember it, but I really love that. It's pure and then peace loving. So as, you know, as much as it's in your power to make peace with others, do that. Consider it. That's what I was saying. It's not bad to want to succeed. It's bad to want to succeed at the expenditure of others. But if we consider others, that is that is the wisdom that comes from heaven. Submissive. This doesn't mean letting people step on you. It means respecting the authority that is in place. Um, full of mercy. Again, that's allowing people uh, to be spared from the justice they deserve. And good fruit. And we all know the fruit of the Spirit. Um, impartial and sincere. Impartial meaning not taking favorites, which we already talked about. Sincere just meaning you actually mean it. You're not faking it. Um, you're not faking your care or purity or love of peace or submission to authority. Uh, and then peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Well, obviously, that's what I said. As much as you can be at peace with others, as much as it's up to you, that's what Paul says in another place. But it says that if we commit our hearts to that goal and that end, we will reap a harvest of God's righteousness. Yeah, and so... So that's the end of uh, chapters 2 and 3 of James. Um, I didn't have a lot of notes. I think I the word kind of was speaking for itself here. Um, and I think it was really good. I know I was getting stuff out of that. I've read this book so many times, but I know still every time I open it up, it, it speaks to my heart in a different way. And it's such good, such basic instruction. You know, you don't need a, a Masters of Divinity to read and, and understand what the Spirit's trying to say through these scriptures. He has so many practical pieces of advice that we can put into place immediately in our everyday lives. And... um you know what? I feel in the spirit like we should just pray uh, and ask for God to give us uh, further revelation on this. Not only that, but that he would write these things on our hearts, that they would be seared into our minds. So, Jesus, thank you for giving us the word. Thank you for coming. Thank you for your love for us. Uh, Holy Spirit, please pester us with these things. Please sear these things onto our minds and hearts uh, to, to control our speech, God, to not judge others, to not show favoritism, whether somebody has a ton of money or not a ton of money, to be able to love, to be lovers of peace, and to be bringing good fruit to the world, and to be showing who you are through the way we conduct ourselves. God, show us how to be merciful to those around us and how to truly love through the power of the Holy Spirit and, and the grace that's given to us through the sacrifice of Jesus. Uh, thank you so much, Lord, for your love for us. Well, I, I hope you got something from this. I hope this was useful to you. Uh, and 
I will be back next time. Obviously, we're going to jump into chapter four and see what it has to say. Maybe we'll do two chapters again. Maybe we'll do four and five. But wherever you're at today, uh, have a great morning or afternoon or evening. And we will talk to you again next time on the Cricket and the King podcast. See you later, guys. Bye.